0: good morning form force and welcome to our lesson for the day i hope that you are doing okay i hope that you have been resting since the last exam that we wrote um it was pretty hectic and i'm sure you know emotions were everywhere because we were under so much stress you will be very happy to know that for today's lesson we're going back know to the normal learning as it were the ideal situation would have been that we should have met on zoom but I am constantly getting discouraged I must say because um, in our last lesson I only had Makanaka and Emma okay and the rest of you did not attend right I want you to know that the zoom lessons are very beneficial right and I hope that in future our attendance will will improve Right, so let's get straight into the lesson for the day. Our topic today is the formation and development of the Nazi party in Germany. Right, you see, we have been tracing this whole thing about how Germany was in total, total disorder after World War I. And the Rowema Republic was not a government that was actually elected by anyone, but it was more of an emergency situation that required some kind of leadership and administration. So the various political groups had come together and they had formulated a solution where a president was appointed from the majority political group at the time. Right. And that was President Egbert, Frederick Egbert. Right, and when they started out, you know, they weren't doing well as a government. They were divided along so many lines. Some were right-wing, others were left-wing. Others were far-right-wing and others were far-left-wing. And there were constant clashes about how Germany should move forward after 1918 when the war ended. And also, it didn't help that the economy was in total shambles you know and and there were strikes and protests everywhere right so from 1918 to 1922 we saw that the the rule of the weimar republic was characterized by a lot of resistance from people from ordinary people uh, workers who were you know complaining and protesting against the poor conditions of work against unemployment and closure of industries the free corps were also resisting the rule of the government and even members of the government at times were turning against it. Right, So it is a government that was not doing well. And then from 1923 to 1929, we realized that the government all of a sudden started doing well as a result of the initiatives of Gustave Stressman. he had served as a a chancellor for a couple of months and he was also a minister of foreign affairs but he was able uh, to you know uh, sort out the friction between germany and other european countries and even countries beyond he was able to acquire a loan from america of 800 million gold marks which he then invested into the economy was able to negotiate the reparations payments and so forth so from 1923 to 1929 we see germany starting to do well once again right industries start to reopen people start to go to work their wages are still small they're still relatively low but at least people can put food on the table also the currency was more stable which means prices would not go up so, so frequently. Right. But 1929 was a very dramatic uh, year for Germany, not just Germany, but for countries all over the world. That is the year when the Great Depression happened, when the American dollar crashed and America had to call back all the money that they had borrowed uh, European countries. And Germany was no exception so all of a sudden germany has to pay back all those millions overnight the government had no choice they just had to you know close industries drain out whatever money was in the banks and just cut down employment and and you know germany was plunged back into all those original problems that we know of right so from 1929 onwards, that is the time when you'll find some extremist groups emerging in in Germany. Uh, these political groups were determined to remove the Weimar Republic and introduce new systems after what they called a period of, of failure. Right, so we're talking about the Nazi Party and you'll find that uh, Hitler actually became Chancellor of Germany in 1933. But the Nazis had been operating in Germany long before that. It's interesting that in the 1920s the Nazis were not so popular. The reason was their doctrine, their philosophy, was considered as rather extreme. So people didn't, um, people were not interested. Uh, uh, you know, they were not captivated by the Nazis in the 1920s but after 1929 when unemployment rose to unprecedented levels when the economy crashed once again people had no hope people were distressed they lost their savings they lost their pensions they were disheartened by the failure of the government they just couldn't believe that their lives were going to deteriorate once again so from 1929 onwards we see the nazis gaining momentum and becoming more popular because they became a safe house a safe harbor for all these distressed people who had nowhere to go right so it starts in january 1919 and i've actually prepared some slides for you i wanted to uh, put the audio on the laptop but i see that when i have transferred it to google classroom the audio doesn't work, right? So you're just going to improvise, make sure you can view uh, the presentation on a laptop, and then you can listen uh, to this podcast on, on a phone, right? So in January 1919, the situation is that before World War I, workers were not allowed to have organizations that represented them all, unions, okay? This was under the leadership of the Kaiser. Workers were just not allowed to express themselves. But since the emergence of the Weimar Republic, a new constitution had been drawn up and it allowed such organizations to then exist. Right? So a party had been formed by Anton Drexler, okay? Anton Drexler. And this party was known as the german workers party okay it was meant to represent workers and address the needs of workers no doubt the issues concerning workers were the most critical in 1919 because they were really affected by the treaty of the south and this guy anton Drexler was from Berlin. He had been a locksmith before he had ventured into politics and he was extremely conservative. So he wanted to try by all means to maintain the old system of doing things. Okay. he was very conservative and he had mentored Adolf Hitler. Okay. He mentored Adolf Hitler in his early days. Okay. When Hitler was a young man and had joined this workers party it is anton Drexler who had actually mentored him right and things progressed like that and uh, when hitler had joined the party in september 1919 he was very charismatic and very enthusiastic and soon he was promoted okay he was given a major post in the party he was made in charge of publicity marketing right He would market the party and he would also organize party meetings he was in charge of propaganda and party campaigns so he would make sure that the party was always always portrayed in a positive way and he was also in charge of of public speaking right those are the posts that hitler was was given and the following year in february 1920 the workers party um launched its manifesto its 25 point program its intentions or its aims and its goals to say as a party this is what we hope to achieve and they also are adopted a logo an official logo which was the swastika okay the swastika in in some religions in some cultures it's not just limited to german culture alone it's there in some parts of hindu culture chinese culture asian culture and in those cultures it's meant to represent something positive it's meant to represent some kind of positive energy but when you look at what it represented in Germany, it, it basically excluded people who were not pure Germans. These benefits, these goals which the Workers' Party hoped to achieve were meant to benefit pure Germans only and not just everybody, right? So that was the downside of things, right? And this Workers' Party was strongly nationalistic, so this means that they wanted to restore the image of Germany, the image that had been tarnished by the Treaty of Versailles and the image that had been destroyed by World War One. They wanted Germany to be a country that was respected and feared once again. And obviously, that would entail recovering all the lost territories, the ones that were taken away in the Treaty of of the SARS. right we are now on the ninth slide right we're looking at the 25 point program of the nazis okay uh, of this workers party right nazi is shortcut for the new name that they adopted in 1920 the national socialist german workers party in short nazis right so these were their goals the first aim was to recover the lost lands, the ones that were lost in the Treaty of Versailles. You can see uh, from the map that is listed there, areas like Alsace and Lorraine, the Saar region, the Polish corridor, which included Danzig, uh, Schleswig and Olstein. Other areas are not listed there. You know that the Rhineland was demilitarized. You know that the creation of Czechoslovakia also reduced German territory. You also know that the Anschluss, the banning of the German uh, Union with Austria, also made Germans very, very bitter. So the intention in future was to reverse all those things. Right, and the second aim of this party was to expand the German Empire, to provide living space for, for Germans. And you can see that This expansion was targeting expansion eastwards towards Poland and the Soviet Union. It's shown on the map. And then places like France, France was thought to be, you know, they wanted to make France a satellite state. Right, a satellite state uh, from which Germany could just siphon resources to enrich uh, the Germans. Okay, that was their intention as a party and the third ideal of this party was the fact that they wanted to promote the superiority of the Aryan race right and you can see that Aryans had blonde hair and blue eyes and this was the standard of a human being in Germany if a person was to be called a pure German they had to be Aryan they had to be pure Germans the only trouble with this is that after world war one So many people were displaced. So many people who were not German found themselves living in in Germany in the same way that many Germans were displaced from Germany and found themselves living in foreign lands. So this was a bit far-fetched because it meant that as a political party, these people were saying we will not accept anyone except someone who is a pure German which was totally unrealistic because Germany was flooded with with foreigners at this point right and these people would be excluded according to the party laws right and this party uh, also wanted to have equal rights and obligations for all citizens whether a person was a woman or a man, or a child, a boy, or a girl. Everyone had to serve their country in some kind of way, right? Everyone had a duty uh, to the state, to the government, to provide some kind of service. And the government would then uh, make sure that their living standards were, were good. But everyone had to pay back for these living standards by serving the government. They could do so by serving in the military, by participating in public work schemes. If the government says people should go and build roads and not expect payment, uh, people were supposed to comply. The other uh, ideal of this party was the nationalization of public industries. And this was the belief by the Nazis that wealth was concentrated in the hands of a few rich people. And this was not fair. This is what was causing uh, the class differences between people. Some people were too, too rich and others were too, too poor in Germany. And this was causing a lot of, of friction. This is because the Weimar Republic was poor. It didn't have any money of its own. The industries and the factories and the land belonged to wealthy aristocrats and wealthy noble families. And the policy of these Nazis was this land, these factories, these industries ought to be seized from these people and made the property of the government. Okay. This was their policy. Right. And once this is done, there will be profit sharing because now the revenue will flow upwards towards the government. It won't flow into someone's pocket, but it will flow into various sectors of the economy and lubricate the economy and ensure that all sectors like coal, like iron, like steel and shipbuilding, prospered right and they also had a policy of welfare provision for the elderly the elderly people are people who were very useful uh, according to the party laws they had contributed in world war one they were knowledgeable and they had no way to support themselves and it was the duty of the ordinary people of the working class and of the government too to provide for these people right so this was one of the laws Uh, In their party. They also wanted to provide special state provision for gifted children. Their dream and their hope was to identify the most gifted learners and put them in specific schools that harnessed their natural talent. If this child was good in sport, then that child had to be recruited. And given some kind of a state scholarship to enhance their skills. If this child was gifted academically or gifted in public speaking or gifted in engineering, these children would be recruited and put in special state schools. This was the hope and the vision of the Nazi party. And they were to encourage physical fitness and and sports, right? This was the manifesto of the Nazis. They said Uh, you know, in future, when we start taking over these lands, we're going to need strong armies. So in our schools, we need schools that can uh, train young children from a young age to become loyal to the country, to become loyal to the state and be ready to fight. Okay. Whether they're girls or boys, we need to start training armies from a very tender age. And, you know they also envisioned a strong central government not the kind like the weimar republic which was divided by proportional representation and divided by others being right-wing others being left-wing they actually imagined uh, a government a one-party state okay they imagined themselves as nazis being united in government without any opposition parties and themselves ruling and making laws that were progressive right so in 1921 uh hitler became the leader of the nazi party okay and this was a major major uh, turning point in the history of the nazis because he was more determined than anton Drexler. okay he was more determined uh, to grow the nazi party so he formed the sa or what we call the stormtroopers which was basically a military wing okay it was a military wing within the nazi party which is very weird because you know a political party is not supposed to have a party uh, an army of its own you are supposed to have one state army which protects the entire nation but if every single political party has its own army then it shows the weaknesses of the government Right, so they formed this army and Hitler was even more determined now uh, to overthrow the Weimar Republic. So he attempted in 1923, uh, in the Munich push, he attempted to overthrow the government, but it did not work. Right, so tomorrow we're going to start from there, we're going to start from the Munich push Right, so I hope this has been clear. Please listen to the podcast again and try to have a look at the slides. And I hope that it makes sense. Bye-bye.